Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 79 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. I hope you're all well and feeling hunky-dory. This week you're going to meet Riker, aka Ryan Callanan. I've known Ryan for some time, he's been in a couple of my face value shows and this is one podcast that's been on the cards for ages, pretty much since I started. But it'd be one of those things where I've got time to do it, but he hasn't, then he's got time to do it, but I haven't. And the thing is, out of all the artists I know, Ryan lives the closest. And and even at the start of lockdown, I said to keep our sanity, I'd pop round to him, sit outside on his doorstep and just pass a mic through the letterbox. We We did sit round my table recording this for about two and a half hours, but luckily, for you, I did edit it down to an hour. I'll tell you what I didn't mention in this podcast, which I really should have. There's a photograph of me that I use a lot in my artwork. It's, it was taken on the day I was released from prison. It's a stereotypical prison um, photograph with me staring straight at the camera with my name and number being held across my chest. I had one of the large photographs at home. Well, Jenny, my other half, she knew how much I liked Riker's work. And for my 50th, she got hold of one of my prints and gave it to Ryan. And he used my image to create an artwork. I was properly chuffed. And it would have been so relevant in this podcast because we were talking about using images of other people and other people's work in our own. It's an age-old quandary that's been going on for years and probably going on for years more. So I won't rabbit on too much. We'll go straight into this conversation. So come sit round my kitchen table with me and Riker. Anyway, I've got seven questions I ask each artist. Alright. The first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Um, 
How would I explain it? Uh, it's a bit of everything, I guess. Sculptures, prints, toys. Uh, I like most of the stuff I make and I want to keep it. I don't know if that's a thing. That's blinding answer. Um, and I, I, could, I couldn't possibly keep all the stuff that I made because I've filled up. I was just getting lectured about this before I left from my missus about how much space I've occupied with stuff yeah. that I just hoard. Yeah. So I'm I'm like I'm probably solidly occupy about a thousand square foot of warehouse in space. If you add up all the things I've got yeah. in different locations, if it was all packed tightly of yours, of your own, I, I don't even know what it is. Like bits of glass that's printed, like just you know, like things that I think oh they're stock and then they're projects I abandon halfway through but I don't throw the bits away because I'm I don't know I'm like oh that cost that much so I'm yeah. going to keep them knowing full well I'll never use them um, and what do they start off as do they start off as maquettes or ideas for other work or do you make the work and just want to keep some of it yourself and not uh, make it into additions because it's just it's nostalgia for, for yourself being hip hop and the rave scene yeah I mean music Definitely, like the 90s, late 80s, 90s music um, was, is, and, you know, if that's that's sort of, you know, everyone says that their bit of music is the best. Yeah. And that, that shifts with every generation. There's that, you sort of shit on the things that come before and everyone's got rose-tinted glasses for their, um, their, their sort of period in art, music. I think it... I, if you look at 90s art that was pretty golden in this country yeah. so and, and then you throw into the mix you had Britpop um, all the American rap the films that came out in the 90s if anything the rave scene was the most sort of casual because there's no dress codes it was just it was about getting shit faced and dancing so did you start making artwork during that scene or was it after you come out of that scene and you was just reflecting back on it no, well, the thing is, rave. I'm too young for the proper rave scene, so I'm like, I when I started going out, I was um, we're talking about the turn of millennium is when I started going. Oh yeah, I was. I was, I was a dozen like, years before that. Yeah, no, I mean, I was born in '81, so so it's like, you know, I was a child when Acid House hit. I was like eight, nine years old, mm. but. The thing, the the thing with me is like when I got into like the rap. So so mid nineties, I'm in school. I, you know, got into um, the rap at the time, like sort of Biggie, Tupac, and all that. Um, and then I was into like the dance music that was also happening, but also Britpop. So you had like the Stone Roses, which were a bit on the trippier yeah, side, yeah. and then you had the whole Manchester thing. But I got into like. It's, it's it's a weird one now because I work with uh, Norman Cook, but I remember his record. You've um, you've come a long way, baby. Being like something I was listening to, just as I was about to leave school, and then that was before the internet. So if you if you liked a sound, you had to go to an old record shop and listen to yeah. stuff. And the, like I remember, Virgin was really good in Oxford Street because you could <laughs> you could pick up a CD on the shop floor and they'd load it, and you could go and listen to it in yeah. a booth. And um, 
and then I, I just got into like looking at like record labels and sort of seeing what else was on the labels. Now it's really easy. Like they, they, you know, you've got algorithms that suggest stuff, and you're finding things by accident. But there wasn't. I mean, I didn't even know about good radio stations back then. So I, I, I didn't really listen to like good like radio yeah. that much. It was all about. I started listening to Centerforce again. Did you know Centerforce? I suppose you were too young for Centerforce. Yeah, I don't remember it the first time around, but I, I know. Uh, well, my I've got like a family member who plays on there. Yeah. So when did you start making art that was reflecting on that? Um, I started making. Well, it was almost as soon as I started making art. I, I um, once I'd left college, I got a job doing sign making because um, I didn't study art. I wanted to do film. And I what did you study at college? Film. Model making and uh, prop design and 3D nice. design. And then couldn't get into that industry because it was um, pretty nepotistical and uh, offered to work for free. Um, I thought I, was, I thought I had an in and I, I went to, um, I'm sure it was Pinewood. It might have been Shepherd. No, it was Pinewood. And... Um, I knew a guy through the pub that I worked in part time when I, while I was at college. He was a chippy, and he'd been in films for donkey's years. Like he'd worked on Star Wars and all this, and he got me. He took me one day there to meet the model makers and that on Tomb Raider Two, and they were just doing that. But they wouldn't even. T- I had a car, so I could get there. But it was going to cost me money. They wouldn't. They wouldn't take me on. And um, I thought, well, I know the work that I did wasn't that shit because. Um, I got I got a good mark, and I, I, I you know, I you could tell what was good and what was not, yeah, you know, just, just looking at the it. experience. Yeah, and they were weren't giving it to me, and I was like, well, can't afford to. If I can't get a job in this for free, then I'm not going to bother. Yeah. I'm not, you know, there's nothing more I can do. And then I took a job at a sign place again through the same pub that I worked in. There was another couple. Um, it's weird. It's hippo are. Oh yeah, yeah. They they uh, so Ian, yeah. his brother ran the sign company. Oh yeah, in Stratford, and then I got a job. They got me a job. Well, they got me an interview or a, a, a sort of talk, and then I talked myself into it. And I started like a week later, and um, so I got that job, and I did that for about. Oh, it's got to be two. Probably two years, and then because I was in this environment where that's the first time I'd ever seen screen printing, because they were the, the same company had Weatherspoons contracts, nice. and so that, that the, the screen table was purely used for sign printing, um, outdoor signage. So uh, not anymore; they don't do it. But for a, for a time, it was just that's how I saw that. That was that was my first introduction to screen printing, other than reading about it seeing it in this like industrial context yeah. and how immediate it can be made yeah and um, and then Lynn who was working um, she was one of the designers there she was also like doing a printmaking masters and she'd done stuff and she used to do stuff after hours of her own and then um, I I remember going to the centre's ghetto on Oxford Street yeah I can't remember what year it is it must be 2005 or six. something like that and uh, and that was where I'd seen like Banksy stuff for years, like just you know not bought any, not paid any attentions to it, like as a collectible thing. Yeah. Or I weren't into it that much because I just was like, oh, they're only like fifty quid posters. I'm not really don't really understand all this. But the one that made the first print I ever bought, I still got it, is um, the Elis 
um, Chewbarba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellow one. Yeah. Because I was like, that was a thing that, well, I like stencil stuff, but up until that point, it, there was nothing, I hadn't seen any Star Wars imagery, and then that just sort of blew me away, and I was like, fucking hell, if you can do Star Wars, uh, that, you know, I got my GCSE yeah. doing a Star Wars picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, didn't know that was a, you know, because I, I didn't go to art school, I weren't like sort of setting rules to myself, no. but I was just kind of like, oh, fucking hell, yeah, basically this could be you anything. Do anything you want. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of like hip-hop and punk rock in a way, it's like, there's no rules, there's no, no thing, but like with, um, like with most things, I started, you know, I did my own thing, in fact, my first image wasn't Star Wars, it was um, The Honor Islam. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, put that up, and then I was already working on a Star Wars one, which was the Reservoir Troopers. So you were just putting it on the balls at the time? Not on the balls, no. Just, I, I just thought, I'm going to make a screen print. Like, I, I worked on this image, um, worked on these images, and went straight in and made screen prints. Didn't, didn't and showed really. it where online? Um, well, the honor is them. I just put on eBay and did that thing with um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like keyword spamming because yeah. um, I didn't know that was not allowed. Because I'd, I'd always search for stuff and, and find all this these things that yeah. are, you know, like word association. It still goes on now, but they try and clamp down on it. And I just put so I put my first honor Islam print up, and it was a red background, and uh, you know, did the the tags that I thought were relevant, like Banksy stencil, urban, da, da, and I sold one in 35 minutes. Nice. So then I was like, fucking Bit of confidence boost. Yeah, and they were, they were cheap. They were only like 30 quid or something. But I, because I'd made them myself, and they the screens didn't cost me anything, because we were turning screens, like we had hundreds of screens there, so I could always slip a little artwork on things mm. as well. So that was that was handy. I, I just bought myself some like paper, and did it all and you know the ink was like I used industrial inks it was all it was all there I mean I did buy my own colour and the boss like Neil he was all he he sort of saying like look all these facilities here if you want to stay later you can just use them and do whatever you want have a you know just have some fun and uh, so that was that was how that started it was just sort of semi self motivational I guess like see you know buying that Elis print for 50 quid Getting it home, being a bit disappointed with the quality of the printing, which is nothing to do with Vlas, no, but no. a lot of them old POW ones are on shit paper and yeah. sort of bad ink, and then they made like two hundred and fifty of them, and loads of colours are sold out. And I was like, "Fucking hell!" When you add all that up, he's he sold fifteen hundred images of like or versions of that, and then he done you know all the other Star Wars bits he'd started or done before. And I was like, well, I've got some Star Wars ideas that I think are all right. I'm going to, I'll try and go that way yeah. because, like, you know, it's, it's, it's always, that, like I said at the start, it's just doing things that I liked. And then, uh, yeah, did that and uh, just kept the momentum, really. Just started working on multiple things and having the job in the background. And it helped being in that environment sort of every day because it was a, uh, Everything starts to inspire you then, because yeah. it's like, and then that's when I started looking at, you know, pub signs differently, and then um, even like doing, doing, doing the first little miniature pub signs, it made like, you know, pub facias with glass and incised text. My first ones date back to two thousand and eight. That's how long. Like, it's almost as soon as I 
I did Honor Islam in end of 2006 then I did Prince for the whole of seven and, and then by 2008 I was doing shows in Soho nice. with other things like and then but so it, from from very early it was like I did, I did I think I even did my first little acid faces around 2008 yeah. and so all of that has been the foundation for still where you are now Star Wars hip hop yeah acid. I guess it's just and the pub signs I guess I guess like hip like so all the music hip hop acid uh, the pub signs every everything I sort of touch on is a it's not that you could say that's all nostalgia and then I try and mix humour with that to make things that are I don't know just a bit different yeah. or a, yeah. sometimes I'm not even like that fast like people like to call you out especially now like there wasn't Instagram there wasn't all that massive social media thing when I started out and it was pre um, collapse of the banks yeah yeah so there was a lot of money and like a lot of my work I mean that, for, I, I went from doing editions of 10 of Honor Islam to doing 150 of Reservoir Troopers and it's selling out with the Scroll Collective online and on the so I went from like doing it on eBay to working with Rick at the Scroll Collective who had Will Barris Mr Jago he'd, he'd published books on like some of the earliest books on street art by this guy Rick from the Scroll Collective and suddenly I was like let's say I met Dave Walker he was already there there was tons I mean I've missed loads off but the list yeah, was crazy yeah. like She One was on it all these people have been doing it 10 years already and uh, yeah I went in there and I was uh, did my print and um, it, it flew it flew out it was uh, it went yeah so we did like 150 of them at 50 so was you pop. still working for the yes. sign makers at the time yeah yeah still full so what time so at what point did you realise you wanted to be an artist I still don't think I want to be an artist now yeah I, I just don't I, I sort of if someone asked me what I do I never say I'm an artist. I sort of find it a bit weird and embarrassing. I think that's because of like social conditioning. I still, I still, you know, what what are you? Are you what you did at college and qualified in, or are you what you do as a job? Yeah. If you're in certain circles, it's different. Like if you're having a chat in a gallery with someone, it's different. You can go, I'm an artist. It's a different setting. But if, if like if I'm on holiday with a family, someone's like, oh, what do you do? Then I'm like, oh. You know, that's when I find it awkward because yeah. usually you're talking to someone who's who's doing a like a more regular job. Yeah, I like to think I don't fit the stereotype of what an artist is. Yeah, I, I, I meet proper artists who I think, well, yeah, you you are like the fucking cliche. Yeah, yeah, but that's just in your mind, isn't it? Because yeah, that's, that's a social got, thing. Yeah, as we've had we've had this chat a few times. I've got a chip on my shoulder that people don't see me as a legitimate artist because of the way that I speak and because of my background. Yeah, But then it bollocks, took me a few years to go, well, fuck them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, their, it's their hang up. The exterior. And do you think you don't like calling yourself an artist because you've got a preconceived idea of what an artist is? Definitely. Well, it's one of the things I never studied art. With art, it has a, there is a power, there is a structure there, isn't there? There's, you can you can be an artist. You can sell stuff, and you can move. I don't know. It's like a weird game of snakes and ladders. Art. I think it's more like that. That's how I see it. Yeah, I've seen it open up a lot more in the last few years. When I've done my first exhibition, like a group show, I realised how hard it was to do that. But then it just it does open up that you can do so much more. Like I've been earning money for the last year or so, um, doing art consultancy with artists and go through their whole body of work and see in what direction it could go you know you sort of you think you know where you are but sometimes 
I feel you've got to pause, step off the tracks, have a little look around to see what other directions you could go in. But then when you have someone else come in and go, yeah. oh, I like that, why don't you try this? And you go, well, I've never thought of that because that ain't in your line of thinking. Sometimes yeah. you need someone else. I guess else. you can get tunnel vision, can't yeah. you? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, my, my, uh, one, of, one of the things I do like to do is um, you could, I mean, you, some people would like to call me uh, like copying someone, which, which I think is like such a lazy term in art. When, when it's like, oh, let's try go, oh, you've copied this from there. It's like, well, you're assuming I know what you're talking about yeah. first. That of, of, um, of all the billions of people on, on the planet, you're saying two people can't have the same idea, no. right? And I and just because I make art doesn't mean I know every single fucking thing that's ever been done yeah. before. That's not how it works. No one does. No. Like, I, I feel myself doing that when I see stuff online now because, like, Instagram's constant in it you can see I've probably seen a thousand images today but yeah. I don't know if I have but the ones that you like you, you take a little mental snapshot yeah, yeah so I, like so one of my things is I go through and I'm like well what things it's, it's that thing again of like what do I like what, what would I like to own and then it comes to do I think it's worth that so I, um, I was always a big fan of like all the, the series of the dot paintings that Damien Hurst did up until I found and went to the Tate Gerhard Richter show and saw his colour charts that yeah, predate yeah 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 so that really fucks with me in a pod, like a positive and negative way so I'm like I I had no I felt less guilty about my series of heart dot paintings which are just a derivative of circles it's a yeah. shape on a you know they are a homage to that you can call it a homage you can call it a rip off you can call it whatever you like but no one it's like owns. a remix, isn't it? You... Yeah, it's just a remix. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like hip hop samples. Like hip hop wouldn't exist if it weren't for sampling. And and rave is all about sampling. Like yeah. no one plays any drums, but there it's all drum heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sampling. So I I always take that of like I make art with the essence of a music producer, which is I'll just fucking sample, and I don't. I'm not asking for clearance. Yeah. I'm just gonna make it. Yeah. But like you're saying with them hearts and Damien Hurst. You can have that as an influence for this work you're doing now. I always look when I first saw the dots. I always thought they were like a riff on like polka dots from that, and I, I like it never struck me as like the most original idea in art. I just like the the way they were executed, and you know they're coming all shapes and sizes, and they've got really funny sort of medical drug names, yeah. they? and um, and I was like, well, it's it's you know it's sort of um, it's a remix, and I've done plenty of remixes, and I don't. I, I sort of don't really... I think if I like the idea of the remix, it should exist even if no one wants to listen to it. Mm. Because I think that's... Again, like that's I, I know a lot of music producers now and that the whole thing is like, how do you start making a record that is going to be a hit? You don't. You just no, do it. Just, it. And it yeah. takes its own like, course, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean... I've, yeah, I'm lucky to have the... You know, knowing um, like Norman Cook... And knowing these workers, Fatboy Slim, it's like it's all about finding things, remixing them, throwing them together. Mm. And I, I just was like, that's that's great. And all all my favourite hip hop tracks of like samples of soul records, and you know, I don't know the the sources, but someone will listen. Someone who wants to shit on hip hop listens to a hip hop record and go, well, that beats from that. You know, that that's from this. And it's like, all right, you're deconstructing it, but. 
I I've only I only know this version, and now you're telling me about that. But that's why I, music was a good thing for me because I was like I got into music. I don't know how to make music. I I approach it when I'm like researching something. Now I'm like, well, where did it come from? Where did this? Because this nothing's original. No. So it's like, well, what's like it? What inspired this? What? And and then yeah, stumbling across. Like I've seen Gerhard Richter stuff way before he did that tape show. And I just knew him as the, you know, that scraping painting yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. massive things. And they're, they're, they're like, I think the scale of a lot of that high blue chip art is kind of what makes it phenomenal mm. rather than sometimes the ideas are not that great. But if you make something um, 400%, 500% bigger than someone who's doing a similar thing, yeah. you're, you're going to win it. Yeah. It's like them splash paintings that Damien Hurst done. The spin paintings. Spin paintings, yeah. Yeah, I'm, not so, a bit, I'm still not a fan of uh, all that. I, I like them, but you can trace them back. There was him, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Angus Fairhurst. When the art car boot fair first started, They had there was a little toy you could buy, and you put these little discs of paper down, and you sort of go like that to make it spin, and yeah. then you put splash little That's bits a of paper. That's wheel, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, sort of thing. And you, you, you throw your ink or little paints on and it throws it out. Yeah. And that's what they were making on the Art Car Boot Fair. Little, I don't know how big they were, maybe four, six inches. And they were selling them. All he's done, he's just made, them, made a big machine for it. Yeah, but I mean, like, when I, yeah, so when I see the spin paintings, I'm, I'm always like, well, that, he, he did not invent that idea. It's like, it's, it's hundreds of years old. Yeah, but it's, it's just an abstract painting, isn't it? Yeah, and I like, I, I, yeah, that's why I'm not a massive fan because there's no like mystery in it for me. Like, I, I, but then at the same time, like, I'm like, well, that makes my, you know, I could just live my entire life not ever wanting to see one of those yeah. spin paintings. But then um, seeing the formaldehyde animals for me, that was a different thing. Like that, but that was just the same thing. That's only, that's, and that's only what you're doing with what he was doing. He was just going back to. Science class in school. Yeah, I guess art is just like, going back to your nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, playing by your strengths and what you know. Yeah, the longer I do it, you you realise that you know anything can be art, and it's um, it's it's a lot of the it's just presentation. Like how how do you present the idea as art? And I I, I do love all, like even a lot of people would shit on like the Damien Hirst retrospective at the tape was amazing. I thought. Brilliant. Like the one, the room that was just medical cabinets, and it's. I, I was explaining to my mate that it was. Um, it's all lined up with. Um, the ointments and the treatments are with anatomically yeah. listed, aren't they? From yeah. head to like, toe, yeah, from head to toe, toe to head, and um, and I was like, well, that, that's 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 the idea there. The idea isn't just a fucking cabinet, and it's on a mirror as well, so you can yeah. see yourself in that as well. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like. Art stuff was. So where did the toys come into it? Uh, again, I made my first toys in two thousand and eight. So just through the love of toys, Star Wars. Yeah, possibly. collecting toys, Star Wars. Um, I'd say Star Wars, hip hop, acid culture—they're reoccurring themes throughout it, and sort of humour. I guess they're the four main ingredients. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I collect toys. Always been into toys. I sort of never grew out of them. Um, Again, as I was leaving school, we're talking like 90, oh, 97, 98, Star Wars just got its re-jigged yeah, versions yeah. with the CGI, the re-releases. And um, 
for me, I, at the time, I was just blown away that they've they've managed to add more to these films. So it, it sort of that was it just relit this fire that never went out, yeah. and then it, it was like throwing fucking petrol on it. I was like, shit. And I, I did actually leave school in GCSE. Um, doing a, I did a an, uh, an expressionist version of a Star Wars scene. But they were like, you've got to look at, you know, what's come before, what artists you like, like sort of pick a, pick a uh, movement or a genre, um, pick an artist within the movement, and then you springboard off that and you do a Mine version. Mine was pretty much like that. Yeah. And, and then you have a theme, don't you, for your GCSE? And our theme was... Um, I, I mean, I, I studied my subject like that, which was model making, 3D design, and I used those skills to make art because yeah. it's that whole thing of anything can be art. It's just the context of it. Mm. So in a way, I do a lot of... More, like I still make a lot of things. I just don't sell them as... Well, I, I, I sell them as art. I'm not making props for yeah. films. Because going to university won't make your practice any different and the way you think about it. No. Well, it, it will make the way you think about it different, but it won't make your, your practice any different. Yeah. You'll still produce the same work. I guess you'd, you'd yeah, like what you're it doing just now, you're over critical you as a person. Or, or yeah. you're analysing stuff. And yeah. Where I'm, I'm kind of like, in a way, I'm, I know a lot of people who've got art degrees and stuff, and it feels like they they have to unlearn that to like truly flourish. I agree with that, yeah. It's like... In a way, I'm like I, I I do, I mean I'm not I don't know art discipline to that to that degree literally that degree, but um, the longer I, I've been doing it a long time and sort of picking up stuff and I'm not you know I I don't know where I sit in it, like is there a movement I'm not I'm not I wasn't a street artist you just get lumped in with it the people's work I admire not necessarily the people but like I saw an Lister painter side of a school building in Miami years ago and he fucking just owned the wall in about an hour yeah. but what I did at Mark's shop is painting by numbers I had to grid it out plan it because the image the image can't that image I put on that building was it's a precise it, image it was precise it was specific I made it so it didn't hit the window it was smiley faces and that heart. looked like they was and heart yeah they're, um, they're, they're I just call them love and happy beans yeah but yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's not like a really really deep meaning to them other than um, they're sort of based on. Um, yeah, but not everything has to have deep meaning. They're, they're based on like rock at the seaside, yeah. you know. When yeah, you, yeah. You, you, and no matter where you crack the rock, it still has still the, same the same thing inside it. That was that was kind of the only thing. Or licorice laces. Yeah. It's like wherever you break, it's still pink or yellow inside it. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like more paintings. That one was a particularly bad one because. The, the heritage area ended up causing so much shit and even though he's the owner of the wall and the shop he's not allowed to do what he wants yeah. on it and they deemed it an advert which is nonsense and it's, you know it's, what's it advertising well, he's, a, he's a framer and yeah. sells a bit of art but I was like if I painted the wall and I didn't sell in there is it still an advert an advert really has to have an instruction yeah. or a direction yeah. like if you look at the definition we didn't pay for it well, he, we didn't apply for planning or anything, and you're supposed to like go through these hoops. But we know they would have rejected the planning application, so we yeah. just did it. It's that thing of like, we did it, and one we know <coughs> that one, there was a one resident complained and made a shit storm about it, and because they sit on a committee that's in the council, 
this thing goes through yeah. and gets traction. We we put an online petition. I've got five thousand signatures in support of it. You know, the, yeah, the once, scales of um, yeah. opinion and justice, and then it was like again, that's like that class thing as well, wasn't it? The authority not wanting to go back and see reason. The the, the, um, the correspondence they sent to Mark was, um, and they quoted the um, the heritage area and why it was that. Man. Yeah, and it actually says um, this heritage um, committee was set up to promote the arts. Yeah. But that was written before most of them people were probably born, because it yeah. was 1908, yeah. the date on it. And it's like, oh, now it's a grey wall again. It's been graffitied like, by taggers. Mm. And uh, it was... Um, you know, you know what's funny? I don't know if you know this, but it got tagged up, and someone sprayed BLM. The council come and remove the BLM. Oh, with a direct like the guy who painted it out and yeah. a direct order to take down the BLM not the tag yeah. I just think that's fucking funny like, that, that that speaks volumes about that area and the people's minds in that area and uh, you know I've been that's that's sort of um, that's my uh, that's what I pay my council tax to and they've shut me they've shut my mural down and got it painted out and I've been I've painted in Miami Japan um, you know Los they Angeles. They're taking Ben's downs, Ben Iron's down as well, weren't they? What, in Romford? He's got two in Romford, hasn't he? He's got... Uh, he got paid for them. Yeah. But it's funded by TfL. How was it? Well, yeah, so the very... Commi- so the same council that got the funding and paid for the mural to be put up, within the same council, they're fighting to take it down. Yeah. And the local MP is not very supportive of anything like that. Um... And uh, yeah, he blocked me on Facebook actually. So <laughs> I, I, I made a habit of putting up his vote. You know his public voting record in yeah. Parliament, which is it's, it's, I'm not making this up. It's, it's how he votes. Yeah. I just used to post it on community pages, like, and go, "This is this is the guy you're backing." A lot of you must be backing him because he's getting seventy five percent of the vote here. Yeah. Do you know what he stands for? This is what he stands for. This is how he votes in Parliament. And in voting to like voting to lower um, disability allowance and raising tuition fees, what what where was where's the counter to it? <laughs> it was funny because um, some some graffiti appeared on Mark's shop the day before the election. I don't know who done it, but they they're proper brave whoever did it, and they wrote Tory cuts, <laughs> and the N was missing from cuts. Could have been Colts, I guess. That's yeah, probably what it was. Mm. Recent most recent toy out. Scroobius Pip. Yeah. 12 inch. <laughs> yeah. How come he's done 12 inch? Is it because he's much bigger than most humans? <laughs> so you've done it, you've done it down well, to the scale. Uh, yeah, and yeah. his height. Um, it's only because it's the third toy I've done of him. Yeah. Over, I don't know how many years, four or five years. We've done, we haven't done one every year. But we started, I pitched him the idea many moons ago when I was on his podcast. It was in, I think I was episode like 80 something. So I was early on. Yeah. I think he's in the four hundreds now. Yeah. And so I, so I, I pitched him it before because I met him through um, friends of friends. Didn't really know him at that time, but pitched him the idea of doing him as a Star Wars size toy, three and a three and three and three quarter inch. And uh, he loved the idea because he's into toys connected. And met him, um, spoke about it, and um, it was an it was an easy thing. So I did that, and then we did a He Man one, which is five inch. Based on a He-Man toy, so he's like super pumped up, muscly. And then that wouldn't do much for his ego, would it? <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I, 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 I said we should have called it Scrooby as ripped. 
<laughs> but um, in the end, we, it was quite good because um, He-Man boxes have always got like a bit of blurb on them, yeah. that, like funny lines. So um, Pip came up with Master of the Spoken Verse yeah. as yeah. a take on Master of the Universe, and I was like, "That's fucking, that's so good. Yeah. That's going on there." And then um, he come up with um, brains and games for his little strap line. And then I come up with the little side spill, which was like, um, pod- I don't know, what was it? Rapping, stuttering, podcasting, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was just like these four little boxes. And it was like, yeah, that's fucking amazing. Let's put all that on there. Yeah, that, that went great. And then this this just felt like, well, what, ex- you know, we've done, we've done Star Wars, done He-Man. It just felt logical to do something action man yeah, size. Yeah. Um, just so it's like a, you know, it doesn't feel like it's not a toy. Yeah. It's not a toy, but it, it doesn't feel like it's not a toy when you keep it familiar. Yeah. That's, that was the whole point of the toy. So they're the same size as Action Man, but is that what they were? 12 inch the Action Yeah. Man. 12 inch, 1 to 6 scale they are. And now, addition it's of 40. 40 of them, yeah. They're now gone anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where would you go from here then? Um, what with Pip, just... Yeah, I think it's a regular thing. There's, I mean, yeah, regular is in maybe like every other year, but there, I mean, I've, there's loads you can rift on. I don't know. I've got some ideas of maybe deviating from an action figure for the next one or something and doing something a bit different. So maybe we'll do that. Um, I don't know. It could be a bottle opener. It could be yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like a wall plaque or I don't know. There's 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 so much. There's there's scope there. There's um. Well, he's got some very redeeming features, and he being very tall, long beard. Yeah, at twelve inches, it's the most realistic. I mean, I I don't I didn't sculpt it. I worked with a sculptor. Um, it, it's it's a weird one. We were talking about it before about you know like artistic credits, but they're my ideas, my yeah. connection. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I commission him. Well, I I can sculpt, not on that level. When I want something absolutely pucker, and, and a lot of the time I don't have time to do what I want to do anymore, so I have to outsource it to various different people. Yeah, I don't think he's a, a and, uh, at all. It's like he weren't going to make the Scroobius Pip 12-inch figure on his own, Richard Martin, his name is. I, I shout him out occasionally on Instagram, because um, I'd love him to you know, do his own stuff, and he, um, he, does, he does do a bit, and it's really good. I mean, it's amazing. His work's amazing. And um, I met him through uh, Ronzo years ago from Stolen Space. Mm. And uh, he'd worked for D-Face and all that, this guy, this same guy. And um, I just kept in contact with him. Like, we're, we're sort of mates. We don't, you know, we, we, go to, we go to galleries and cinemas and stuff. And it's not yeah. always work-related. It's just sort of a friendship, I guess. And kept him busy during the lockdown, actually, because he's, he's been stuck at home and he sculpts from home. So I've been. I'll just send him like. Sometimes I'll just send him a message when I have an idea and go, "What about this?" And I'll send him a really shit sketch, <laughs> and he's like, "I really the, the looser the sketch for me, he he likes the loose ones." Yeah, he doesn't need he doesn't need the vision. He just needs the idea. Yeah, because like well, he did the um, Biggie Smalls Buddha for me, like the um, Buddha Smalls, yeah. the original one of them years ago. I mean, it's, I don't even I can't remember how long it is. It must be five years. And I just met up with him for a coffee about something else. And I said, look, I've got this idea. And sometimes it's just a no. And I didn't, I've never drew the Buddha. But I was like, look, this is what, this is, 
I had a Buddha statue from the garden. And I was like, imagine that, but you change all these bits on it. Yeah. Like, literally, all, this is all the bits I want changing. And then he was like, yeah, I could do that. And he's, he, that's his gift. He can visualise, you know, I, all I have to write is Timberland Boo. He doesn't need me to draw it. No. He can do it. No. And, and it, it works perfectly in that sense. So it's, um, this is the thing, I, I, I do say to him, I'm like, I'll send you a WhatsApp message with a, like a little brief, let's, just, let's call it a brief, but it's a message, just going, oh, I'd like to do this, this and this. And you'll knock it out of the park. And two weeks later, it's done. It's like, it's ready to go. It's, it's like, I've, got, I've not really got a touch Yeah, but it some or... people are more motivated to do a job for someone else than they are their own. Yeah, he can absolutely, now, any any yeah. brief I've given him, I've not, I've not much I've ever, I don't think there's anything that I've ever got and gone, oh, that's completely wrong, we need to start yeah. again. It's minor tweaks here and there. He's helped me develop some of the ideas. So some of the ideas that he's done in 3D were ideas that I, I now write ideas down and go, what's the best way to do that yeah. as, a, as a thing? You know, is it a print? Because that Buddha Smalls could have just been a print. Yeah. And then I, could, I, would, I would have been the one just photoshopping it and, or, you know, just manipulating this collage. And it would still probably work as a print, but there's a reason. I never put that, I never did it as a print. For the simple fact that the statues are so good, like yeah. I like them so much. We had one. <coughs> we had one as well in the garden. Everyone knows them from being a garden ornament, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that thing of um, I was just like, yeah, taking you know, it's, it's, again, that's just another remix. It's just a. So what's the the artwork that said the strongest emotional connection that you've made? To me. Yeah. Uh, would it be one of the early ones? It's hard to say. I mean, I think Reservoir Troopers. Like, I do like the Honor Islam one because it's a, it's, um, yeah, it's like the teardrop was like the first. It was like, it was a cliche drip of paint, but it was also open to interpretation. So people who bought it were like, oh, it's really clever. You know, she's crying. She's wrapped up in a burqa. I was like, well, I'm not telling you that. No, that's not the that's story. Not your job, no. No, I'm like, well, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a two colour, well, three colour, white, black and red. <clears throat> and graffiti, urban art, whatever, street art, it's all about drips and messiness. And this thing just so happens to have a a teardrop, yeah. an elongated teardrop. Um, I guess with the Mona Lisa, the entry point for that was like, I'd seen like a Banksy version, I'd seen um, like the Marcel Duchamp uh, version of Mona Lisa so it like a really fan so it was like and I'm, I'm continuing to do this checklist of um, famous artworks and doing a take on them because I'm like art history tells you that's okay it's it's all yeah it's, it's basically again it's like it is a remix it's that whole thing of remixing um, but it's taking something for the, like the, the Mona Lisa the most famous painting in the world there's like I've I've been sent versions where other people have done Burke and Mona Lisa's like after my one. And I'm like, the chances are mine probably weren't the first one. Yeah. But I'd never seen it. No. I still, I've seen versions since, which people have sent me saying, oh, you've been ripped off. And I'm like, no. probably yeah. not been ripped yeah. off. It's, it's, it's a fucking idea. All the ingredients, like they haven't done the drip. They've done Burke and Mona Lisa's. Where I was, like, my one was poignant because I changed the name's an anagram. 
and it's got a drip on it. Yeah. So it's like, all right, if you're gonna do something that is a direct, if they're doing it on purpose, firstly they've got to then go. Well, I'm doing it on purpose because I think yours is shit. Yeah. So I'm yeah. gonna do exactly the same idea and improve it. But even finding an older artwork, I don't think there's anything wrong in making a new representation of an old artwork, even if it's not yours. I guess I'm like, I'm. Pr- uh, what am I actually? Someone asked me before what it was like. What am I precious about? And you find with a lot of artists are really precious when they've got um, very little in the locker. Whereas I'm like, well, I don't make my art purely. Like, what is an original idea? Yeah, there might be a couple of dozen of them, and very, you know, every now and then you see one in art, and you're like, fucking hell, they're the ones that make you go. Yeah, but then. Are we getting that mixed up with a seminal artwork? <clears throat> Excuse me. Because yeah, we look at Damien Hurst's shark, for instance. That is a seminal piece for him. But then, no doubt, people were putting stuff in formaldehyde five years before him, 50 yeah, years. Yeah, I've read like loads of articles that like try and trash talk him, and I'm just like... Yeah, but people have made seminal stuff. I mean, it's only people yeah. like, who bring together movements... Like, what was the most recent movement, for instance? Um, possibly the Stuckists. Yeah. You know? They bef- they're, 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 they're genuinely a movement when they were satirical. About yeah, everything. and that's turned around and they're part of the system. But I think urban art is the same. Like, whatever, it is, whatever it's going to be come to be known as, like street art, whatever... I mean, like, the essence of it was taking... It was social commentary, weren't it? Mm. Like, what Banksy does and a lot of this stuff was social commentary. And it, I think some of the best stuff still going is that. And and that's when I'm like... That's that's where, like, Banksy, for me, he... he like, he'll do them welcome mats. Did you see the welcome mats no. made out of... He'd he done a series of welcome mats. They say welcome, but they're all made out of um, washed-up life jackets yeah I did yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm like but I don't like them as a object like I, oh I don't want one on the wall saying welcome and it like but the idea is brilliant like using that um and then it, um and then it, and then it like you know the same shit I got for doing um or, or you know some people go oh that's just a copy of a you know you've taken a Warhol image and replaced bits I'm like, well, but when Banksy does it, you're clapping him and you're ready to pay 30 grand for yeah. it. Like the um, Basquiat merry-go-round mm. with crowns. Yeah, like, yeah. I like that, Im- that image, but it's not one of his better ones, in my opinion. I, I prefer something that's like, I don't know, like barcode, like the cheetah walking out of the cage. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. barcode. I think there's like, there's more in that as a consumerist thing, like a comment on capitalism. Whereas, like, even Choose Your Weapon, like, I did a riff on Choose Your Weapon because I was like, why why that one is not one of my favourites is because if you take the Keith Haring dog out of it, it doesn't work. The image is pointless. But when you when you reveal the Keith Haring dog, what that represents, who that artist was, and then you've got this thug, yeah. thuggy-looking, you know, urban rude boy... Then it makes sense and it's a good image. It's funny. But that just goes back to everything we were saying before. It's just taking work from a generation behind or some other generations behind. Yeah, and he's referencing street eyes, the original sort of, um, you know, you could say the, the original crop of street eyes, even though they weren't 
coining that phrase, they just happened to do work on some of the streets, and I'll and because um, I was talking to a mural artist the other week who doesn't call herself a street artist, but she does lots of murals. But she chooses to do them with a brush rather than on a street. Yeah, that's nuts. You mentioned a few artists. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Ideal group show. Oh my god. Um, it, am I in the show or am I just curating no no <laughs> oh, if I'm in the show you're in, you're oh, it'd be a bit awkward because I've ripped off loads of them <laughs> yeah as long as they can't pretend oh fuck that don't work anymore um I guess I, I'm, I'm a massive I'm a big Warhol fan but again having discovered Robert Rauschenberg yeah and that guy had fuck like it just it's just mental the amount of ideas he had and some people have built careers on just one thing he yeah, did yeah, yeah. And, I, and I sort of see obviously Warhol took the idea of silk screening but when I saw that Rauschenberg show I'm like fuck he, he might have seen that it's nice to discover things like that yeah but like you know the Kennedy painting did yeah, you see that yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like I, no, I that, see show so that predates something he done in silk screen predates Warhol's first silk screen and you're like, chance are we went and see this show yeah. and gone, oh, I can do that. Oh, that's a thing now. Definitely. And that got the cogs in motion. So I'd say Robert Rauschenberg would be um, good. I like Basquiat just because um, of the uh, energy. A lot of my art- favourite artists are American. Who else? It'd be good to be in a show with Banksy, I guess. But I don't know if that would... I'm trying to think we'd all this sit together... I guess it don't really matter, does it? Yeah, I think Warhol would be funny, but then... He's the, he's, he comes out more than anyone, Warhol, in this. Yeah? With this answer, yeah. yeah. Just goes to show how much of an influence he was. I think I'd invite Damien Hurst, but only if he brought Ronnie O'Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Hurst has done a big Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah, it's amazing, that 147 yeah. break yeah. thing, isn't cool, it? It's fucking, that's probably the, my favourite dot painting. If you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? Now I'm trying to think of a job that don't have a suit or a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like something with um. Well, sign making weren't bad. It, it's always like I didn't feel it was a job because. Would it have to be creative? It'd have to be creative, I think. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I, I mean, for a for a time, I thought I wanted to do graphic design, and I realised I didn't want to do graphic design. Because you're creative, you're doing a creative job, but you've got no freedom in no. it. And, and that was kind of what I discovered about model making. I'd, I'd studied model making, and even though I like making props and that, um, my, my wife did model making, I met her in college, but, and she went into and worked in architectural model making, which for me is like the anti model making because there's no freedom, no. there's no expression. No. And I, I, I get that because I was—I just couldn't do that job. Like I, I remember going to her work, and the things they were building were fantastic. Like I remember seeing the um, the Swiss Ray building, the Gherkin, yeah, before yeah. it was fully opened up, and the model had come back to their place for a refurb, and it all lit up, and it was about seven foot tall. The model, and and um, something had gone wrong with it. Still, you know, they still use these models in the marketing suite, and. Um, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, it's amazing to see it and how many man hours went into it. 
And then they were like, yeah, that's, that's like a £70,000 model. And I'm like, first, you, your reaction is, that's fucking insane. Yeah. It's a model. And then you're like, how much did they spend building the thing, yeah. the real thing? I wanted to do props because I was obsessed with film and, you know, like Star Wars and reading all the Star Wars books. All those fairy tales from all the people who worked in the prop shops was like, oh, we got given a brief. We had to make a blaster, and that's why a lot of Star Wars guns are old World War Two yeah, yeah. rifles and German guns and that, and they just lump bits on because yeah. there was only outlines. And, and, and so they ended up doing this bit, and it was on the shoestring as well, weren't it? Yeah. yeah, the first one was. It was like, you know, they they reused bits, and that's become part of like the allure of the fairy tale yeah. and the Star yeah. Wars. But the more by the time I left college, that to um, two thousand and two, I left. The industry was changing massively because machines like CNC machines, lasers, three um, D printing weren't a thing then. But AutoCAD had completely changed. Just you know, no one drew anything anymore. So everything was like in a computer and could be made exactly to how the designers sketched it. Mm. And so there was less. Do you have to do? But that normally goes around in a, in a full circle, doesn't it? Like yeah. cartoons, yeah. for instance, they was all done digitally. Now people are crying out for the cartoons to be done by hand again. Same as CDs going back to records. It's, that, that's I've just record. done a toy for Yoda as yeah. well, DJ Yoda. Nice. Um, that's to go with that. Um, but I've seen the picture disc. They haven't sent me mine yet, but they're proper like... Because I don't remember picture discs, but the guy who runs that label, um, DJ Yoda's label... He's a proper like, nerdy record collector. And he, when I went there, he showed me some of his picture discs. Yeah, proper shit. Like, yeah. Some of them are terrible. And then they've done this one. Really bad photo. Stu's proper stoked about it, hasn't he? Yeah, it's really good. Like, so, just the amount of fucking energy they've gone and put into this. Yeah. Like making, putting a podcast on vinyl is mental. Mad, isn't it? Mad. I bet you people jump on it. I did, it, I did his um, music one. Yeah, and I was like, God, listen to loads of other ones that he'd done before, because I was like, oh, I don't want to go in there. I'm not, you know, I know what music I like, and that's the one I want to talk about. I don't want to like come across as like I'm trying to be cool in it either. Yeah. I'm just like, so, I, and I, and I was like, I want to be a bit obscure. Like I want to go for the most obvious ones, yeah. even though some of my, I think some of them, I was like, I don't care that that's an obvious yeah. answer. But um, yeah, that one, he, he's. Um, his one was really good because it's like really clinical you've got a certain amount of time you've got to get it done and it's over whereas we did one with about toys yeah oh and god that went for fucking ages mind you this has yeah. gone oh yeah we was we was talking about toys oh, for so long that. it was well funny I mean I'm not into Star Wars your enthusiasm about Star Wars it was fucking contagious I mean it never made me want to go and <laughs> look at Star Wars but I just couldn't stop fucking listening because anyone who is so specific about any subject I fucking love it it doesn't matter yeah, what the subject good, is yeah that's, I think that's what I'm I need to listen to, I need to find some more podcasts that are like that like their network is pretty good at that when they because Pitt is so precise he's built a network that, that, that network oh, yeah I proper admire that yeah. Where can any, well, what have you got coming up? It's a bit hard at the moment. Um, it's sort of depending on how this all plays out. And I was I was supposed to have a Miami show, and I've got yeah, got all this work stuck 
it's coming back to me actually I'm getting the work tomorrow back from the storage in Heathrow so I've got a show that was um, it was going to I don't want to just fucking distribute the pieces from the show to the galleries that I work with over here which I could easily do and make and, and sell them because for me I I did that thing of um, what you were saying like I consulted myself before I did this show and I worked like the, the um, Robert Fontaine who I was going to do the show with we still probably might do a show later on but he's had a lot of upheaval and Amer- you know America's fucked I can't go you can't go there no you wouldn't want to go there he's in Miami Florida and if you are there you want to get out yeah and uh, it's just it's just mental and he's had he, I think he's uh, moving to a new space as well and the, the show was kind of built for the space he had on the like, based on the wall space but uh, I would I'd like to find a space and do a London show with, for myself like do it because I've never done that I've always had a gallery on board I, but I kind of don't want to I need to find I don't want to do I, I know I can't do it all on my own because it's too much I've done group shows back in the day and it's even do, like getting a group show together the flakiest thing is the artists getting them all to fucking do anything yeah. well you know that and uh, you're putting your own energy into something and then people just rock up like it's just happened where do you want to do it I think I want to do Central but then I'm like is there any point doing Central London if no one's going to shows Mm. Um, well I know a few people have done like window exhibitions I know Ben Oakley done a window exhibition a couple of those yeah while the galleries were shut I mean he's he's in that nice little passageway isn't he and he just put stuff in the window I know it's sort of not not ideal but it's a good little concept some of it could work but then it's like I feel like I'm breaking the idea up of this show I had Which was um, is expand like the 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 whole thing was like expanded on an idea that I've touched on a few times, which is um, my personal take on religion, and belief, and and that, and the whole all of the works were based around that, or they stem from that thing of my interpretation of it, and I I don't kind of I don't want to break it apart for that reason. I want people to see it in that context yeah. of like it's not. Icon- it's not iconoclastic it. either it's supposed to be it, if you're someone with faith this could bolster it this could pump up the volume well, it's like did you see the one that Lee done with Dr. Steve Jesus Lee done oh one. disco balls yeah, 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 yeah Lee done the image he gave it to Dr. D because yeah, it was for the show for the face value show so Dr. D done his bit on it yeah. and yeah Norman uh, Norman Cook's got one of those as well he put that up Oh, nice. Yeah, Lee was pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, but, um, that's good. Yeah, Christianity, you can fuck about with Christianity, can't you? You can't, can't go throwing um, Muhammad up there, can you? I think they get a bit... Well, no, the whole point of, like, Muhammad is not meant to be depicted. No. Where I grew up, there was... I went to school with more Muslims than I did the Catholics, Christian Church of England, mm. just because of the demographic of where I was. You go to any... Most supermarkets will have some sort of... Jesus religious thing within the supermarket because yeah. there's a merchandise part to this and I'm always like that's why it's funny to me because they're trying you know, the, the, the Catholic church the Christian you know Catholic Christian all of that sort of stems from the same sort of place yeah. they're always trying to sell you statues books buy like, there's all this stuff the Pope drives around in a fucking uh, modified mobile yeah, yeah. and you know, all, all the Vatican City—it's all about money, gold. Oh, like, that's, yeah. that's even if you believed in 
Jesus and the teachings, he wasn't that guy, was he? No. He was just rolling around with lepers and stuff and, <laughs> and, and like fucking poor people because he, he was like keeping it real and it, that was what he was about, helping like people with nothing. It's kind of weird how it's morphed into that, so I'm always like, they're, they're, gun, they're, yeah. yeah, they've set themselves up for this. Yeah. I don't know what the question was, but. Oh, yeah, what's coming up? It was a religious show, that was it. That was it. Where can anyone see your work? be it website or social media? Um, so my preferred social media is um, Instagram and that's at uh, Riker Artist. So it's R-Y-C-A underscore artist. Um, and then my website has also got the Instagram built into it and that's uh, Riker.net. And if anyone wants to buy your work, they can go through them or your big cartel. Yeah, the Instagram has got the big cartel links. I don't think my website has, I just never bothered. That's all my questions asked for these. That was good. Cheers for your time. And there we have it. Ryan Callanan, Riker himself. Another thing we didn't touch on this podcast, which I regret not mentioning, is at the last Fat Boy Slim concert, 2019, Ryan had a stall there creating live smiley t-shirts. How cool is that? So that's about it from me. I'm going to keep it nice and sweet. Ah, before I go, Tim Gatenby from episode 39. If you happen to be in the East End of London, Tim has got his solo show at the Waluso Gallery in Hanbury Street, just off Brick Lane, which got a great little write-up in Fad Magazine by Oliver Malin, who also appeared on the Ministry of Arts podcast a few weeks ago, Episode, what was that, 72? 73. Episode 73. Look at me getting everyone on the podcast. Anyway, that's all from me. So, like I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really does help us get noticed. And anyone looking for an art podcast, it helps them too. So, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.